Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. And we're on a mission to help you achieve your goals. We're all about sharing the secrets of the world's most innovative and pioneering successful women. Hear their uplifting stories and practical advice right here. Yes, right here. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then why not sign up for our newsletter at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and keep listening for this week's latest episode. Hello, and welcome to our last and very different episode for 2021. And what a year it's been, hey? Certainly has. We're both sitting in London, in England right now, and watching as yet another wave of COVID unfolds before our eyes, it seems. Yeah, I know. Let's hope that the initial signs that Omicron isn't as severe continues to hold true. Although, you know, the UK is tightening restrictions now as they're worried the sheer numbers of people who become infected could still overwhelm the health service. Yeah, I'm just hoping everyone can have Christmas together. Yeah, absolutely. And whoever coined the phrase, this is a marathon and not a sprint. Might as well have been talking about COVID, mightn't they? You can say that again. And, you know, it's actually been a testing year in many ways, hasn't it? And so here at Don't Stop Us Now, we're looking forward to taking a break after this week, enjoying Christmas here, and then enjoying some time off as well in the Southern Hemisphere for summer. Um, Yeah, exactly. You can say that again. We'll be back with you again with new episodes in mid-January. But before all that, we're really excited about our episode this week, as is a first for us. Yeah. We thought about and revisited all the incredible people we've had the privilege of speaking with this year. And we've spent time reflecting on the key takeaways and themes from our conversations. Of course, there's no way we could feature all the fabulous stories and advice that have been shared with us. But we're going to share a few real and hopefully topical gems with you today. We're going to kick off with the one thing that COVID has taught us, and that is the importance of the people in our lives and how we had come to take connecting with them for granted. And when it comes to connecting with people and building relationships with work colleagues, then this has become so much more challenging when so many of us are or have been working from home. Exactly. We spoke with former fintech and financial services CEO Connie McKay earlier this year, and she had some really wise thoughts and observations on what it takes to have a meaningful and trusting relationship with your work colleagues. And we think it's really topical now. Here she is. One of my first leaders said to me, you will fail if you think you're managing a company. You're managing a set of individuals and your job 
is to get them running in the same direction on behalf of the company's interests. But the minute you look at them as a collective, you've lost. Yeah, so true. It's really powerful, isn't it? If you had to distill one or two powerful tips or tools for younger people in their careers to build successful people relationships, and you could certainly argue in this day of social media and and working from home and less sort of one-to-one time with people face-to-face, it's even more important to build connection. What are the, the key pieces of advice you would have for building strong, constructive working relationships? I don't think you can have a genuine relationship without honesty. The way that the truth is delivered can vary between the relationships, the closeness. But, you know, I think if you're duplicitous and you say one thing and then you go and you do another, you can never genuinely have a deep relationship. So I would say the first is honesty. The second is consistency and, you know, really a lot of volatility or I like you, I don't like you, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think being reliable, one of the nicest compliments I ever got was from one of my godchildren. And I said, what's the one word that you would use to describe me? And he said, dependable. And I saw that as a really important thing in relationships And I think forgiveness, we all make mistakes. We all hurt each other unintentionally. The closer you are, the more likely you are to do so. And I think it's really important to learn to forgive. Connie McCaig, who's a board director and advisor these days, with her really wise advice on the three things she believes we all need to build in the workplace, honesty, consistency, and forgiveness. Yeah, I really think that the forgiveness part is even more important when you're working remotely because you don't have the chance to see someone in person to check in on their body language and expressions and things like that. You know, and I know, speaking personally anyway, that sometimes we can really take an email or Zoom comment the wrong way when perhaps the other person was just in a rush and they just didn't happen on that occasion to take enough care with how they said and how they worded things. Exactly. You know, I want to build on Connie's theme of building connection now. Do you remember when we had author and speaker Holly Ransom on the show? Absolutely. Well, I loved her observations from meeting some truly iconic leaders on how these people were showing up and connecting with her. And it was a really powerful how she talked about their humility in how they interacted. Here she is now. When you talk about you know, whether it's Branson or Sir Ken Robinson and Obama and Eunice and Susan Cain and, and people of that nature, one of the things that strikes me that's a commonality amongst all of them, aside from the fact that they all have a really clear sense of their purpose and what they're on this earth to do, and that in itself is really inspiring, is there's a real security and generosity in the way that they show up. They're very clear about who they are and who they're not. And what I mean by generosity is they're not seeking to compare. They're not seeking to prove anything. They're not out to impress you or need your validation in a way that you can sometimes feel with people that are well-known. And so it's quite striking. And, And I think in that way, one of the things that all of them have collectively taught me is just that that power of the way that you show up and engage and the accessibility and the impact I think your ideas have when you do that from a space of 
doing that on equal footing with the people that you are engaging with. You know, the, these people that I've met are 25 million times more accomplished than, than I am. But there was always this sense of equality in the way that they engaged. There was always an interest in you from them as much as you were interested in, in them. And, and what I think comes with that that's quite incredible across all of them is this way that your interactions with them and the way that they present ideas empower you. That's really inspiring, isn't it? And I think, you know, it's a human truth. The more we can take ego out of how we build our relationships and connect with people, the better the quality of the relationship, the more our messages land, and the greater the legacy you can leave. Yeah, I really love that. Well, still building on this theme of connection, we also wanted to take you back now to reflect on what happens when you form such a strong connection or common goal with someone that you want to start a business with them. All too often, we hear stories of co-founders falling out and it can cause such misery, not to mention have a disastrous impact on their business. Absolutely. You know, and I think successful accessories business co-founder Adina Jacobs, who we spoke to earlier this year, has some really priceless advice on how to preserve the working relationship with your co-founder by setting up some simple ground rules and guidelines up front. Here she is. One of the things that I think we did fairly early that I would really urge anybody to do is to figure out a way of resolving conflict before you actually need to resolve the conflict, especially if you go into business with a friend. And Ethan and I were not friends when we first met. We met and decided to go into business together and we were work colleagues. But a lot of people do have an idea with a friend and I think it's very easy to believe that nothing will ever happen to break that friendship or that you'll never disagree on anything, but that's not the reality and it's not practical and it's really smart to have a way of resolving disagreement before there's actually an issue because you can turn to that method you can agree on it when you're both in a good position and you can turn to that method if there's a disagreement and I think we were lucky in the early days that like we don't always agree in fact we often disagree but we have the respect for each other that we know that the decision that we go with is the one that's best for the business. It's not about ego and it's not about him winning or me winning. But there have been times when we haven't agreed on things and you have to really look at it and think, like, how do you how do you get on top of this? How do you resolve it? And we have a partnership agreement that specifies how you deal with conflict. You get a mediator in. We've nominated who the mediator is. That's a person that's not connected to either of us specifically but rather to the business. And we've never had to use that but it's very comforting to know that that mechanism is there if we were to ever need it. Part of the partnership agreement was conflict resolution. Another part of it was what happens if something happens to one of us because neither of us, you know, I mean, I greatly respect his family, but I didn't necessarily want to end up in business with them and him with mine, vice versa. So we put a mechanism in place on what happens if something happens to one of us. We put insurances in place to cover the salary of the person who could no longer work in the business. We've just, we've got, it's basically that whole key man succession planning or key person succession planning. That's such invaluable advice from Adina, isn't it? You know, she's been in business for more than 20 years, so she knows what she's talking about. Indeed she does. You know, Adina's story reminds me of when you and I started Full Potential Labs together. We had an outside facilitator come in and facilitate a session for us to determine 
what ground rules we'd have, and to also make sure our values for the business and how we would work together were truly aligned. Do you remember that? Yeah, no, I totally do. And I think it was a really great foundation for us to build on. Yeah, it was. Well, we're going to turn now from the importance of connection and trust with people to thinking of two very simple ways we all as individuals or we or you as connected teams or families can easily help make the world a better place. Precisely. And you know what? Despite all that working from home, COVID has shown us just how interconnected we all are, no matter where you're located, and that what happens in one place can have big ramifications half a world away. Absolutely. You know, as one of our earliest guests on the show, superstar investment banker and pioneering philanthropist Odette Excel says, we're all connected and the pandemic isn't over for any of us until it's over for all of us. So one easy thing that you can do that Odette suggested, and we loved the idea so much, we went ahead and did it, is you can make a difference this festive season by donating to UNICEF's Vaccine Appeal. Just Google UNICEF and vaccines and, and that will show you where to go. Yeah, it, you know, it's such an important cause. And, and I think that the Omicron variant has shown us just how irrelevant political borders are for things like pandemics and the environment. Now, speaking of the environment, the other big world event for us in 2021, aside from COVID, was the climate crisis culminated in COP26 earlier this year. One of our guests from only a few weeks back spoke eloquently about how something you and I, and frankly all of us, have a great deal of control over, which could make a huge difference. And that's food waste. Yeah, absolutely. Here's co-founder and CEO of the international food and household items app called Olio to explain the brutal truth of what happens in our kitchens. We discovered that globally, a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown <gasps> away, which is worth over a trillion US a dollars. Third. Yep. Oh, we're only just starting this this food waste tragedy. So third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away worth a trillion dollars. Alongside that, we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every single night who could be fed on just one quarter of the food that we waste in the Western oh world. Goodness. And even in a country like the UK, we have 8.4 million people living in food poverty, half of them not knowing where the next meal is coming from. So we've got widespread waste, we've got widespread hunger, and then the real kicker is the environmental impact of food waste. We discovered that if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And the reason for that is because a landmass larger than China is used every single year to grow food that is never eaten. God. A quarter of humanity's fresh water is used every single year to grow food that is never eaten. And that food then goes on this enormously long resource and carbon intensive supply chain. And then a third of it ends up being, over a third of it ends up being thrown away. And the vast majority of that ends up in landfill. And when food decomposes without access to oxygen, it creates methane. And methane is roughly 25 times more deadly than CO2. Oh my goodness. And so... You know, obviously, I've recounted this story fairly neatly to you. We, we had to sort of uncover this. We're a bit like kind of Sherlock Holmes trying to figure out what's going on with food waste. And we just couldn't believe that people weren't screaming from the rooftops about the utter insanity 
of our current situation. And then this urgency with which we want to solve the problem of food waste has only been reinforced by something called Project Drawdown, which is a piece of work by the world's roughly 200 or so of the world's leading climate change scientists. And they stack rank the top 100 solutions to the climate crisis. And last year, sort of right when COVID hit, so sadly it kind of got missed, but they released the sort of latest stack ranking. And in position number one, the single most powerful thing that humanity can do to ensure that we mitigate the worst effects of the climate crisis is to reduce food waste. And that comes above electric cars, above solar power, and above a plant-based diet. And the real shocker to all of this is that in a country such as the UK or US or Western Europe, but sadly increasingly elsewhere, half of all food waste takes place in the home. Gosh. So that means that half of that enormous problem or problems that I've just shared with you is down to us. That's British entrepreneur Tessa Clark there. You know, I have to say, you know, the fact that around half of all that staggering amount of food wasted is wasted in our own homes in many countries actually gives me hope in a funny kind of way because it is something that we can all, without much sacrifice or inconvenience, actually make a real difference on. Yeah, you know, I I agree. It's something simple and really tangible we can all do to make a difference and help the planet. It's so easy, isn't it, to become overwhelmed with the scale of, of some problems that you wonder whether doing your bit can actually make any difference at all. And if you're thinking that to yourself right now, then here's former author, entrepreneur, and now climate activist, Australian Sarah Wilson, reminding us that individual actions, no matter how humble, really count. For anyone listening who feels like, oh, God, what's the point? I'm only one person amidst, you know, what, 9 billion or 8 billion or whatever it is these days. What I would say is that the studies show that you only have to have 3.5% of any population, a city, a town, a school, whatever it is, who engage in peaceful protest for change to come about. So once you get three and a half percent, change happens in every single case. And the study was done from, I think, 1904 to 2014, a very long period of time. So I call it the 3.5% figure of hope. The other thing is, I try to just tell people to start where you are. If you are a single mum with two kids and you're struggling, just start where you are. Like start by addressing food waste at the school canteen if you happen to be on the canteen committee or something. It doesn't have to be a massive move. Like Greta Thunberg, she just was one kid sitting with a cardboard sign outside Swedish Parliament only a couple of years ago, two years ago, less than two years ago. And we've got to remember that. Charm begets charm, action begets action. And so these small things that we do, they do count because it spreads. Yeah, don't be overwhelmed by thinking you've got to create a national movement or a new charity. No, literally people will listen far more if they see you just working where you're at and you're enjoying it and you make it look sexier than the status quo. Sarah Wilson there. She's pretty incredible, isn't she? She sure is. And if you think her name sounds familiar, then Sarah also wrote and founded the tremendously globally successful I Quit Sugar books and programs. Yeah, you know, she's a really original and deep thinker and she really does her research too. Absolutely. So we've just been thinking about small steps and things we can do to make our futures better. But what about our past year? As we approach the end of 2021, 
we think what our super qualified next guest has to say is quite profound when it comes to closing out this pretty crazy year in a very, very constructive way. Yes, best-selling author, psychologist, and leadership expert, Dr. Jacinta Jimenez, shared such a great pearl with us earlier this year. It's all about stopping to reflect on what you've done and learned this year. Here she is. Reflect. John Dewey, an American psychologist and education reformer, has this beautiful quote I love. We don't learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. And so you ask yourself, what worked? Why did it work? And if it didn't work, why didn't it work? What could work better? So there's no, it's not, you're, you're not uh, what I call nailing it or failing it. That's not the objective. The objective is to continue to learn, to get more and more exact on kind of where your sweet spot is, just like elite athletes do. This is all tied to like peak performance. They analyze and analyze and analyze, and that's how you get better. Jacinta Jimenez there. You know, I really love that. We're all so busy thinking about the future and our to-do lists, especially at this busy time of year. But you know, the end of the year is a totally brilliant time to take stock and think about what elements of your past year have brought you, you know, not in terms of only great results, but really importantly, also in terms of joy and energy and what conversely in this past year has sucked the energy and the life out of you. Yeah. And building on that, what projects did you love? And what was it about the project or your role in the project that resonated with you? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's such a good thing to do. In a similar vein, the author and podcaster Tim Ferriss has an end of year routine and he goes through his calendar at the end of the year and reflects on which things were positive and which things were negative. And he literally has two columns on a piece of paper, one headed positive and one headed, not surprisingly, negative. And then he lists all of his calendar items under one of those columns. Were they a positive experience or were they a negative experience? And then he highlights the strongest, most powerfully positive 20% in that list and does the same with the most like negative, draining 20% of the negative column items. And so then he has a list where he takes those top 20% and tries to make sure that in the following year he has more of those. And of course, unsurprisingly, he tries to make sure he has significantly less of that bottom 20%, those 20% of the most negative things in his year. And I think that's really good. Yeah, I do too. You know, reflecting on the past year makes so much sense. And after all, how we spend our time is absolutely critical. This time is truly priceless, isn't it? It sure is. So we've heard great thoughts from Connie McCaig, Holly Ransom on the importance of people and connection and how we show up. Plus, we heard from Adina Jacobs on some really priceless advice on going into business with someone else. Then we've been inspired by Tessa Clark and Sarah Wilson to take small steps and easy actions to make a difference and help make the world a better place in 2022. And we've heard from Dr. Jacinta Jimenez how the power of reflecting on what's gone before is so powerful. And so now we want to finish with perhaps the most important message of all at the end of another fairly unpredictable and highly uncertain year. And that's the message of self-compassion and being kind to yourself. Lord knows, so many of us have had to repeatedly cancel plans or completely adapt how we do our work. The last thing 
any of you need to be doing at this time of year is giving yourself a hard time over what's still on your to-do list or giving yourself a hard time about the fact that your Christmas preparations may not be quite where you want them to be right now. That's if you celebrate Christmas, of course. So just be kind to yourself. I totally agree. Stop the guilt, people. And importantly, take care about how you speak to yourself. Yes, you. We know you can be horribly hard on yourself. So talk to yourself instead as you would to your best friend. Well said. And, you know, just so you don't hear it just from us, here's Stanford psychologist, author, and leadership coach, Dr. Jacinta Jimenez again to emphasize the point. I think a big one is really having to use a lot of self-compassion and objectivity too. Like, what are the facts? You know, like, look at what you've accomplished. Like, you are not an imposter. You you deserve to be where you are. You've achieved X, Y, and Z. And so talking to myself like I would a friend or someone that I really care about, it's, it's uncomfortable for me at first because I, I was someone who was raised with the idea, especially with dance, you know, a healthy dose of criticism is good for motivation, right? Uh, yeah. But but I've learned that it's so important to channel self-compassion. And I have a self-compassion meditation practice that I do almost daily to grow that part of me. And then also knowing that hopefully that I can inspire future women leaders who are of color to go, look, she did it. And so that gets me really excited as well. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, that self-compassion is so important, isn't it? Because we can just be so horrible to ourselves. In fact, the worst, you know, we would probably speak to ourselves just unlike we would speak to anybody else. We can just be so destructive. I, I know that was that was something that I found in burnout that I realized once I was sick that I had been really horrible to myself. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy for some reason my mind goes, well, everyone else is living perfectly normal, healthy, you know, comfortable lives and no one's going through any problems and really having to go, no, that's not true. And, And also realizing that everyone's human and life just isn't easy and suffering is part of life. And that's what it means to be human. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's okay not to be okay at times. And still getting used to it, but I I really love it. And it's made such a huge impact for me in terms of being able to step back and give myself space when I need to. What a great note to end on. You know, to add a human element to what Jacinta has just shared there, she herself had to really practice self-compassion a lot in the past couple of years, as she had to quit her job a few years back due to health issues, and she's since undergone eight surgical procedures. Incredible. She, yeah, she reached a point where she realized she had to practice what she preached and take the time to look after her health without any sort of self-recrimination or guilt about what she wasn't doing in a work sense at the time. Yeah. And we know Jacinta quite well. We know it must have been really hard some days to not feel as if she wasn't doing enough when in fact she was doing what was right for her at the time. Yeah. And as she says, we are all human and we all have problems and we all have some suffering. Agreed. So here's to more self-compassion in 2022. On that note, that's this episode done and dusted. We wish you the happiest of festive seasons. We hope you have a good break and a rest as we'll be doing now until the middle of January. 
and in the interests of connecting, making the world a better place, and practicing self-compassion. Hug someone you love in person or virtually today if you can. Think about donating to UNICEF to help low-income countries have faster access to vaccines. And be kind to yourself because you are awesome. Yeah, we think you're awesome. So we're signing out for 2021. Thank you so much for joining us. It really means the world to us. If you can think of someone who'd like our show, please spread the word and please do also write us a review or rate us. If you're not on our special mailing list, then head to don'tstopusnow.co to sign up. And in the meantime, big and huge hugs from us. Yes, indeed. Ciao for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.